Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Death. Not exactly a topic for casual conversation. I think it would be safe for me to say that a vast majority of us would rather not experience it anytime soon. There are some of us who are actually afraid of dying, and that fear can drive behavior. Should we be afraid? Just how should we look at death so that we can live life in a more positive state of mind? Dr. Jennings provides some guidance for us on this important subject. You know, it's very interesting. You asked, should we be afraid of death? In Hebrews chapter 2.14, it says that Christ took upon himself human flesh, mm-hmm. that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death and free those who've lived all their lives enslaved to the fear of death. Hmm. And so this idea of being afraid of death is known as a human experience around every culture of the world. In psychiatry and psychology, this is well known. One major religion of the world was founded on that individual's, the founder's individual's, fear of death. He, he saw a dead man after a sick man and became aware that he was going to be mortal and became overwhelmed with a fear of death and began a way to deal with his fear, and it founded an entire religion. That's Buddhism. Uh-huh. This idea of fear of death, it's the consequence of what Adam did to the human species. And so the, the answer, though, you're saying is, do we need to fear it today? Well, I guess it depends on whether you've taken the remedy that will cure your condition or not. Okay. Let's talk about that remedy just for a minute here, because that's the, that's the most important thing you've said on this program so far. There is a remedy. A lot of people think there is no remedy. There can't possibly be. You, you live, you suffer through it, and then you die. End of story. What's the remedy? Well, before we get to the remedy, I think we have to handle some basic things. What is the basis of life? What is it that causes death? Okay? Basis of life, as I understand it, God is the creator, and he built all things to operate on the principles of love, the principle of giving, the principle of beneficence. It's built into all reality. Every breath you take, you give away carbon dioxide to the plants, and the plants give oxygen to you, a never-ending circle of giving upon which life is built. All living systems have this principle operating in them. What causes death is breaking that design protocol. Tie a plastic bag over your head, no longer give, but hoard your carbon dioxide, then you will die. And so this isn't just on a physiologic level, it's also on an eternal level. And so what has caused death to come into this world is the God's principle of love was broken when in the nature and character of human beings, we believed lies and became self-centered and selfish. And so we seek to take for our advantage, this is the drive known as survival the fittest. And so the survival of the fittest drive is looking out for self, willing to hurt others to protect self. That is the actual basis for an eternal death. Now, when we talk about death, if you're going to use scripture, the scripture describes two deaths. One death as a sleep death and one death as an eternal death. It's the eternal death that is the one that, that is the result of sin. When you're afraid of death, then I guess you aren't too afraid of sleep. We don't go to bed at night going, oh, man, I may sleep tonight. Oh, help me. (laughs) I would say that probably then if we are afraid of death, we are looking at an eternal aspect of death. Would I be right in saying that? 
Well, I think most people don't even consider the two differences. I think most people are looking at that death that we all call death that we experience when we take our loved ones and put them in the grave. The Bible describes that death as a sleep Sleep, death, and that death from which there's the Bible promises a resurrection, a bodily resurrection, the Bible promises. That death is the one we're not supposed to be afraid of, but that's the one most people are afraid of. They don't even think most of the time about an eternal death, eternal non-existence, which is the result of sin. So most people do talk about that first death. And I think they misunderstand it because they misunderstand the nature of humankind. And as I understand the nature of humankind, the Bible teaches we're three parts. They use in our modern language, in the Bible, they they call body, soul, and spirit. Metaphor for that, computer, hardware, software, and energy. The uh, Greek word for soul is psyche, from where we get psychiatry and psychology. And that would be analogous to a computer software. The uh, body would be analogous to the hardware, the machine. Mm -hmm. And the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, from where we get pneumonia and pneumatic, and it's wind or breath or breath of life. That would be analogous to a computer's energy source. Now, you think about your computer. If you have hardware, software, and energy, if you have just two out of those three, is it operational? Or do you have to have all three? You have to have all three. You have to have them all. And same thing with a human being. To be a living human being, you have to have a body. You have to have an individuality and identity software. And you also have to have the breath of life, energy. Any two of those three were not operational. Now, when your computer runs out of power, into what state does it go? Sleep mode. And when the Bible describes when we run out of power... We go into a state of sleep. Now, imagine somebody had your laptop, and they were threatening to destroy your laptop, but you had a perfect backup of all the data on a cloud server. Mm. Get your mind around what I'm saying. Okay, You could say, I'm not afraid of the one who can destroy my machine. I'm afraid of the one who can destroy my data. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 28, don't be afraid of the one who can destroy the body machine, but can't destroy the soul, your data, your software, your individuality. Okay, And so we don't have to fear death if we have come to a trust relationship with the Creator such that our individuality, our soul, our software is safe and secure on the heavenly servers known as the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, I must have heard you talk about this, Dr. Jennings, in the past, because when my father passed away, and my mother passed away a number of years before, I realized something, that their computer may be dead, but that software, who they are, their their wonderful ability to love, their ability to worship, their ability to know who I am and know everything about me and to love me anyway— that's still safe and secure in the mind of God or in the servers of heaven. That is a very comforting thought, Dr. Jennings. And, and that's exactly what Paul comforted the New Testament church with. The New Testament church, as people began to die, began to be worried that at the second coming, that those alive on earth would go to heaven without their loved ones who have died. And yeah. so Paul comforts them in First Thessalonians 4. I don't want you to grieve like those who have no hope about those who have fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, we know that the Lord rose from the dead, and he will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in trusting him. And then it says, uh, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Well, in this very one passage, we have the, the righteous dead coming down from heaven, but we also have the righteous dead coming up out of the earth, coming from both. How can they be in both places? Because we're three parts. The individuality of the righteous, when they die, are in a sleep mode, waiting to be downloaded into their new upgraded hardware at the second coming, and we all go to heaven together. Yeah. 
That is such a beautiful thought. Listener, if, if you've lost someone, you have to realize that the data is, is still there in God's server. The data is still there, just waiting to be downloaded into a brand new, brand new, upgraded, wonderful, not Windows runs <laughs> computer. Let, 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 me, let me also point out, though, yeah. uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, the fear of death is a human experience, and yes. it led to the development of an entire world religion, Buddhism, and then Eastern philosophies. And one of the things the Eastern philosophies have done that the Bible has not done and the Bible got it correct, and the Eastern philosophies got it incorrect. Uh, the Eastern philosophies have merged energy and individuality. They've merged energy and software. Mm-hmm. And so they correctly say, first law of thermodynamics, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just continues to recycle. And so when they say that, having merged individuality with it, they say because energy, when you die, the life energy you had is not destroyed. It comes back in some other form. Well, then you reincarnate. You come back in some other form. The Bible actually has, has got this correct. The physical matter turns back to dust. The life energy returns turns to God who gave it, but the life energy is not the same as your software or data. Your individuality is unique. So there is no reincarnating going on here, even though the energy from God is ever-sustaining and always flowing. What can we do, Dr. Jennings, as we go through our lives uh, today, tomorrow, next week? What can we do to prepare ourselves for the sleep you're talking about? Is there anything that we can incorporate into our lives that will enable us to live life where death simply becomes that transfer of data as opposed to that horrible thing we so fear? Well, so you know, people have to distinguish. Are they really afraid of dying or are they afraid of suffering? Mm. Many people, mm. as they get older, they're not really afraid of dying. Right. They, they trust the Lord. And they're, they're at peace with that, but they're afraid of suffering. And so people have to make that distinction as well. But do you come to the point that you trust God, you know him so well, and you know how lovely and beautiful and trustworthy he is, that you can actually say to God, God, I love you. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you. But I I trust you so much that if you know the universe would be a better place without me, you don't have to bring me. Mm. See, when you come to that point that you've trusted, as Jesus said, Father, into your hands I surrender my spirit, that you can actually surrender yourself into his hands and leave your destiny in his hands, you can stop worrying. The problem is most of Christianity teaches people that they have to worry about themselves, that they have to watch out for themselves. They've got to do the legal this, they've got to do this or that or the other, that, that God isn't actually interested in their salvation, he's interested in enforcing the law, and they have to have a mediator stand between them and God to protect them from what God will do to them. My, so we come to the place where we are so trusting in God that we're willing to accept the fact that he may think that heaven would be better without us. Is that right? That you can come to the point that you can say, God, I trust you enough. I'm not saying that he will think that, yeah. that you can think that. All not right, that he'll okay, think that. okay, 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 okay. That okay. you say, God, I trust you so much, I surrender my life into your hands, and if I am such of a character, and if I'm so, so um, you know, resistant to your healing ways that I would, I would make the universe a, a bad place, don't bring me. I, I want your universe to be glorified to you. Hmm. Well, I happen to know, Dr. Jennings, that God would not be satisfied with that. I think God would work very hard to make sure that we understand our value, not only here on Earth, but also for the universe. Am I right? 
Well, see, it's not about our value. It's about our trust in Him. Mm -hmm. The whole point that I just made was not about value. It wasn't about how much God values us. It was about how much we trust Him. Mm -hmm. And the problem is most people don't trust Him, so they want security to, you know, I've claimed the blood of Jesus, so I'm going to present my legal ticket to heaven, and God can't keep me out, and I don't really trust Him with my life. And that's the problem. They live in fear of what God will do. They live in fear of the judgment. What will God see when I have to stand before Him? And so they really don't say, God, I just trust you with my life. And that's what takes away the fear. Wow. Dr. Tim Jennings, our guest today, we just have a couple minutes left on the program, and I want to just make this very practical. Dr. Jennings, what can we do starting now to try to ease that off? People have to get to know God. So if a stranger came up to you on the mall and, and tapped you on the shoulder and said, let me have the keys to your car and the keys to your house. You can trust me. Would you give them the keys to your car to keys to your house? Well, if you can't give the keys to your car and house to a stranger, how can you give the keys of your life to a stranger? That's why Jesus said in John 17, 3, life eternal is that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ now sent. Life eternal, if we don't know God, we don't trust him. If we don't trust him, we don't open the heart to him. If we don't open the heart to him, we don't let the Spirit in. If we don't let the Spirit in, the Spirit doesn't reproduce Christ within. And so it all comes about to knowing God for who he is as Jesus revealed. That's the key. And many people, instead of knowing God, they know a system of theology, and they claim legal accountability or counting, but they still don't know God. And that's why there's no peace for them, and they live in fear. And that wraps right around to that Holy Spirit who is more than willing and is standing by, correct me if I'm wrong, is standing by to help us clearly understand God. Am I right? The Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and He will always be revealing God to us in ways we can comprehend. Whether we accept or reject it is up to us. Okay. All right. God has a part, Christ has a part, the Holy Spirit has a part, and so importantly, we have a part in this, and Dr. Jennings has clearly identified that in his books that are available, of course, at commonreason.com, other resources there, his blogs, and uh, just a lot of resources you can find there to help you along your journey, because that's what it is. This is a journey, and I want us to not live in fear. I want us to live in hope and understanding and in friendship with the God who loves us so, so much. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for these words of wisdom and guidance. I really appreciate you doing this week after week on this program. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.